0: Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. A gay couple was brutally assaulted in Calgary recently. With our left-wing media, you'd think that would be front-page stuff. But no, the media has buried the story. You see, the identity politics there, they just aren't right. Kian Bextie shall explain all. And Sheila gunn will weigh in on the latest goof-ups, courtesy of Dr. Teresa Tam. Seriously, folks, would you buy a used car from this quack? And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our video about the most recent filthy tent city encampment that was finally shut down by the City of Toronto. And naturally, the people behind this illegal occupation... Those scholars who comprise Afro-Indigenous rising, well, they were very articulate and intelligent in explaining their demands. Not. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up.
1: Late on Monday night, two gay men were walking through Kensington in Calgary. They were just going for a walk, minding their own business when allegedly four individuals rolled up on Lime scooters and two of them dismounted picked up a garbage bin, stones, and took off their belt and started whipping, stoning and lacerating the two individuals, all because, apparently, they were gay and these folks just didn't like that. Now, we're not sure why there's no mainstream media articles about this hate crime that took place over 24 hours ago now, Rebel News seems to be the only ones on the beat. I published this information on Twitter earlier this morning, still not a peep from CBC. Nothing from Global News or CTV. I've had time actually to go to the business, to the storefront of one of the individuals who Rebel News has identified as a likely perpetrator of this crime. Now we're saying likely because he hasn't returned any of our messages, any of our calls. For some reason, he closed down his barber shop on a beautiful sunny Tuesday day. The lights were off, nobody was home. People wanted to get a haircut, but for some reason they closed down today and i actually spoke with a business owner who's right next to this barber shop who we identified and i asked him have you seen this individual i showed him the pictures and well watch for yourself he, see here he has a uh, belt in his hand mm-hmm. here he has a stone in his hand and this guy's taking off his belt
0: um How they why they do that yeah that's that's him yeah huh. hmm. interesting
1: The business owner says that yep that absolutely is that individual and if that is true the assailant in this hate crime his name would be ahmad borhat i've been on and off the phone with the cowrie police service throughout the day trying to figure out if they have any suspects any leads any arrests no arrests have been made and they have no suspects it seems like rebel news is the only one that cares
0: about this story indeed it seems like rebel news is the only media outlet that cares about this story but the question is, why? This is serious stuff. A couple is brutally, physically assaulted just because of their sexual orientation? Shouldn't that be front-page news? Or is identity politics playing a role in the media self-censoring itself? Joining me now to discuss this disturbing story further is my colleague, Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. So, Kian, why do I get the feeling that if this were a couple of, oh, I don't know, good old boys wearing bright red "Make America Great Again" ball caps, this story would be going viral? But given the skin color and the faith of the alleged perpetrators, the media seems to be going out of its way to bury this story. No?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, you look at what happened in Chicago with Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Uh, all. To do was say that they were uh, wearing mega hats and they committed this outrageous assault and boom it was front page headlines uh, across the country and some even across the world here in this case though, it was really strange um, it wasn't until over 24 hours after the actual assault with weapons um, the lashing and stoning that any public media outlet uh, mainstream media outlet published anything. CTV, CBC. All they did was regurgitate a press release that the police were looking for suspects. Um, somehow, rebels managed to be on this beat a whole, you know, eleven hours before anyone else was. Even though it was, you know, the talk of the town. Every Instagram story, uh, every Snapchat story was locals trying to figure out who these people were.
0: You know, it's fascinating to me, Kian, because. For decades, uh, our progressive left wing media, they've been very pro uh, gay causes. Um, you know, if, if this is something right in their wheelhouse, and yet, I think we're at a point in society, I mean, Ezra talks about this all the time, that um, human rights, it's like a big poker game right now. So if you are a heterosexual white Christian male, for example, um, maybe that's a high card. You know, if you're female, that and, and with all those other descriptors, maybe that's a pair of threes. But... Um, There, a a gay couple would be pretty high up on that uh, poker card, uh, you know, comparison, yet they seem to be trumped by the fact that these are visible minority and presumably Muslim assailants.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It didn't help the the victim's case that they were white. Um, They were just sort of abandoned by everyone except for Rebel News. I never thought that it would be Rebel News to be, the news organization that stands up for the gays, but it turns out that that's exactly what we had to do. Because, I mean, any crime like this, where anyone is lashed, whipped, stoned, concussed, and lacerated in the streets, uh, that, that's something that shouldn't be acceptable anywhere. But for some reason, it's becoming acceptable. Uh, hate crimes like this are actually, you know, they're on the rise. Um, but i and i I, you know there's that there's that phrase that everyone on the left likes to say hate crimes are on the rise actually hate crimes that are being ignored by the mainstream media are on the rise because it depends on who is committing the hate that determines how egregious that hate is to them if it's a white person committing the hate oh boy are they in for a load but if it's someone else maybe someone who uh came from the middle east well then they sort of get a free pass
0: Yeah, that's quite incredible. And and Ken, what do we know about this crime? I mean, obviously these two individuals were allegedly triggered just by the fact that these were two gay men walking down the street. They were holding hands. I mean, maybe you're not into the gay lifestyle. I get that. But to be enraged, and you look at that photo, it looks like they're absolutely furious. One allegedly picked up a big garbage bin, threw it at them. They're taking off their belts. I'm just trying to... You know, connect the dots as to why this site would be so triggering as opposed to, hey, you know, it's not my thing, it's not my bag, uh, I'll just let them be. What, what, what do you think was going on there?
2: Well, I, you know, I've been asking myself that same thing, David, because a global news uh, piece actually came out uh, two, two, maybe two months ago uh, about the assailant, uh, yeah. the individual that I identified. Ahmad uh, uh, Borhat, he's a barber, uh, and Global News went to his barber shop to do this puff piece story, this this oh so endearing story about how he was giving free haircuts to frontline workers. Whether they were nurses or Walmart employees, he was giving them free haircuts. It was such a feel good story, uh, and it put him in such a nice light. And then the next thing we see of him doing is literally whipping gays with the belt in the street uh, and global news not only didn't retract that but hasn't commented it, not only was global news behind on actually sharing this assault um, they didn't they didn't even mention that they had already interviewed this guy before which is such a strange coincidence not many people are in the news David. Um, you know if you're on the news that's something you go home and tell your family about um, If you just happen to be that day, Global News happened to interview the one individual who was going to be violently assaulting and allegedly committing one of the worst hate crimes in the history of Calgary. Uh, And they didn't even bother to mention that he's been featured on a Global News piece before. I, I find that surprising.
0: You know, that was a good catch, finding out that information, Kian. And here's the other thing that is inexplicable to me. You would think somebody that offers a public service, he's running a barber shop, he's appealing to uh, all members of the public. I would think this is toxic publicity, not just for people in the gay community, but for anyone that, you know, goes by the law of order, uh, anyone who believes in, um, you know, getting along peacefully with others. I wouldn't go to this Calgary barber and get a haircut there. I'm not gonna support somebody that does something like that. Did he even think this through about the potential repercussions uh, to his business?
2: Well, the potential repercussions, assuming that our justice system actually does its job, um, violent assaults with uh, you know with a weapon, um, those weapons including stones and and belts. I, I don't know if those would be considered deadly, um, but you know the the the. Jail time for assault with a weapon can be can be over five years. So, I mean, I would be more concerned about that than his business.
0: Well, uh, Ken, we'll have to see uh, what the justice system does about this. I I think the evidence, from where I sit, is uh, very overwhelming. But once again, if this does get to a court of law, and the media still buries their collective heads in the sand and almost to the point where they don't, they're pretending it didn't even occur. That will be egregious. Now that we have broke, you know, gone out there, broken this story, got attention about it. Do you think the media is now going to be shamed into covering this or is it still going to be radio silence?
2: We'll have to see what happens when an arrest is made. To my understanding, one hasn't been made yet. Uh, I'm going to try and stay in the loop with that. Um, But, you know, I mean, at this point, the CBC has mentioned that this has happened. Global News mentioned that this would happen after the police put out a call for identification, which was about 24 hours after the assault. They they waited as long as they possibly could. Um, whether they keep on this story, whether they uh, follow up with the victims and interview them and talk with them and feature this story, that's a totally a different question.
0: Okay, Kian, I know you'll keep on this beat. As far as I know, Calgary is still under Canadian law, not Sharia law. So let's see how this uh, plays out in the uh, days and weeks ahead. Thank you so much, my friend. No problem. And that was Kean Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. But look at
3: this on page 47. Public Health refuses to answer claiming it's in the interest of national security to not say how many masks they had on hand. Health Canada says they have no idea how many masks and how much medical PPE they have. Environment and Natural Resources Canada says it would just take too long to figure it out so they don't bother to come up with a figure. But here's where that very weird national security excuse that Public Health Agency of Canada is using to hide their complete and total ineptitude, here's where it all falls apart. In contrast to the Public Health Agency of Canada, the Department of National Defence and the Communications Security Establishment have provided a detailed rundown of what PPE they have and what PPE they acquired, as does the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, CSIS. They do it on page 121 as does Customs and Border Security Agency, so the CBSA on page 122, as does the RCMP on page 124, and on page 120, the ironically named Public Safety Canada, well, they had no PPE and they didn't bother to acquire any. However, if these public safety agencies can say how many masks they have on hand, or don't in the case of public safety, what is the public health agency's real excuse? other than it would be embarrassing to admit Dr. Teresa Tam didn't do her job, her one and only job, and keep the stockpiles up post-SARS epidemic.
0: Wow, another winning move by Dr. Teresa Tam, our glorious protector, standing on guard for thee, yet someone who flip-flops on safety protocols. It's so hard to know what she believes in or what she really stands for. And apparently, as you just saw, she couldn't even manage to do the most important thing in her wheelhouse. That would be PPE inventory. Unbelievable. Joining me now with more on this story is Sheila gunn Reid. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend.
3: Hey David, thanks for having me on the show.
0: It is always a pleasure. So Sheila, let's cut to the chase here. Your video highlights so many layers of incompetence. So please explain, Sheila, Why is Dr. Tam still gainfully employed?
3: Isn't that a great question? (laughs) You know, if you or I got a story wrong so many times, just the basic fact of a story wrong so many times, I think you and I would be in jeopardy of losing our jobs as we should be. I mean, we don't work for the CBC, so accuracy counts over here at Rebel News. But I mean, she's been wrong about everything from the very beginning. Wear masks, now don't wear masks, then wear masks. Um, And it all has to do with uh, politics. I mean, she's been basing her decisions from the very beginning around what Justin Trudeau says or doesn't say about China. And, you know, now when it comes to the one thing that the Public Health Agency of Canada truly exists to do, and that's to prepare us for a pandemic, She can't even tell us how many masks are in her stockpile, which is, you know, pandemic preparedness. And she's using the excuse that it's in the interest of national security to withhold this information when we can easily get those numbers from the actual national security agencies. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and you know, Sheila, it's funny, there was a survey that came out recently and it showed that almost half of Canadians, I think it was 46%, they basically weren't believing what they're being told by the government authorities and so-called experts. And can you blame Canadians for being skeptical about this? Because Theresa Tam and her ilk, just a few months ago, they were saying, do not wear masks, that this will spread spread. The Wuhan virus. Of course, they don't call it that. That's not politically correct. So, Sheila, can, um, can you blame Canadians for raising a an eyebrow when they're being told to do something right now, which is completely 180 uh, degree opposite of what they were being told just a few months ago?
3: Well, especially when the numbers aren't playing out the way that they said they would. Uh, I was looking this morning before I came on air with you that the latest numbers out of Ontario are that 2,700 people have died after or uh, like died, and their deaths are attributed to COVID-19. Now, whether they actually died of of COVID-19 or with COVID-19 or tested positive after an autopsy. Who even knows? But I remember back in April when they were predicting the onslaught of the coronavirus in Ontario and the lowest best case scenario was that 3000 people would die of COVID-19 and the on the high end fifteen thousand we're nowhere near any of those numbers right now we're creeping towards the very 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 lowest end and yet now they're bringing in all these mask mandates people are skeptical because the measures that we're taking now don't match what's manifested the predictions haven't come true, and people can see for themselves, like, who are you going to believe, Dr. Teresa Tam, Doug Ford, or your own lion eyes?
0: No, 100 percent. And you know, it's funny, I also remember back uh, around Chinese New Year time, the likes of Nancy Pelosi urging Americans to go into their local Chinatown and congregate en masse and support the Chinese community, which of course is completely (laughs) contrary to social distancing. We're supposed to be two meters or in the U.S. six feet apart from one another. Unless you're campaigning for Black Lives Matter. Because the Wuhan virus, Sheila, it's very smart. It recognizes that social justice warriors uh, should not be infected. It's just all the other people should. I mean, this is madness. And I think, uh, again, it leads to people being absolutely skeptical about buying what the authorities are trying to sell us right now.
3: Well, I think being absolutely skeptical of authorities is a good way to go through life <laughs> as a general rule, um, not mindlessly doing as you're told and examining the issues for yourself because, you know, the, the facts really are out there if you dig a little deeper. But yeah, isn't it funny how political ideology um, affects this disease more than any other, you know, sanitation um or health protocol you can congregate on mass if you support black lives matter but you actually can't go to mass like you can't go (laughs) to church or you couldn't for the longest time because that was too dangerous um you know it's this i think has really exposed and by this i mean the coronavirus pandemic has really exposed um the power hungry among us, both at the municipal level, the provincial level, and the federal level. I mean, just look at Doug Ford. I was a Doug Ford fan, and on some, in some respects, I still am a Doug Ford fan, but boy oh boy, did he mishandle this pandemic from start to finish, and he hasn't done the things that you would expect a conservative to do, which is to balance rights with public safety. It seems like he's opted for control over rights every time that he was given the opportunity and um you know maybe maybe at the end of this maybe people will learn that we need to pay closer attention to what happens at the municipal level because that's where all these mask mandates are coming from i think conservatives have sort of checked out municipally but that's the level of government that affects you first and affects you the most and oftentimes costs you the most amount of money. And so maybe Conservatives will get back involved at the local council level. Here's hoping.
0: Well, you know, Sheila, you mentioned in that answer, ideology and Conservatives. And let's wrap it with this question. When it comes to Doug Ford, since you brought him up, you have to wonder, is he really a Conservative anymore? I mean, this is the man that two years ago ran on the platform for the people. Ontario Open for Business, and as we just saw last month, uh, brought through Bill 195 that gives the government the power, without any legislative debate, for the next two years, to increase the, the Emergency Services Act, it resulted in uh, the, the sole MPP that voted against it, Belinda Carajalios, being kicked out of caucus. And what was staggering to me, Sheila, is this was exactly the kind of bill that Trudeau tried to ramrod through in March until the opposition uh, rose up en masse. And because he has a minority government, he couldn't do what Doug Ford can do with his supermajority. Do you think there are some shifting allegiances here just because, oh, I don't know, the taste of power is just so insatiable?
3: Well, imagine what these conservative MPPs would have done and said, if it were Kathleen Wynne bringing in this Mm. law, they would have lost their minds. (laughs) Um, And yet they are silent and they're going along to get along. They're voting along party lines instead of doing what I think most of them know to be right um, for political expediency. They'd rather uh, protect their careers than do what's right. And I don't think we have enough politicians out there like Belinda Karahelios, who just basically stood up for the constituents who voted her into her position. There needs to be more Belindas and less Duggs out there.
0: Wow, what a concept, Sheila. We have to wrap it there, but say what you mean and mean what you say. Astonishing. <laughs> yeah. Sheila, thank you so much, and you have a safe and happy weekend, my friend. I will. You too, David. Thank you so much. And that was Sheila gunn Reid, somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Another thing that becomes evidently clear, folks, is that although it's called Afro-Indigenous Rising, where are the Afros? Where are the Indigenous? Um... The vast majority of these people are lily white gender studies graduates. And uh, I guess in 2020, being a female or someone who identifies as being female and taking off your top, that's taking it to the man. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm just reading your breasts. What does that say exactly? It says, no justice, no peace. Now, do you identify as Afro or indigenous? I. Identify as an ally who realizes that my ancestors colonized this country and I want to be a part of the solution. And what is the solution exactly? The solution is abolishing the police. The police. Abolishing the police? You seem like a nice lady to me. But If you ever got in trouble with some ruffian and you had to call for assistance, yeah, what would you do? Up by the police instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you would surrender the city to the bullies, the thugs, the criminals? The thugs. Okay, then. And so now how hopeful are you of actually getting the police abolished? It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. How many percent? Yeah, maybe be a better media source than if you don't know the numbers. I think that was a greased pig that just walked by. No, not the topless woman, the one that squealed. (laughs) <laughs> You're a weak mother f-ker. What's that sir? i you a stupid weak mother f-ker. You call me a stupid something mother effer Weak a- Weak okay, Why are we weak? You get tired from making yeah, that sh- grin all the time another uh, like you don't like me before. grinning what? Why, you, why is everybody here perpetually angry?
2: Bad faith argument all the time You're grinning at us like Tell me some more You have no interest in anything we have
0: to say You have the mic right now sir well, What do you want to say? Go away Okay, but I'm in a public park. I'm not allowed to be here. Why are you wearing a mask? Why am I wearing a mask? I'm not wearing a mask. Well, I'm not afraid of uh, being identified, sir. How about yourself?
1: That's not what I... am talking about a pandemic. People okay. are f***ing dying. What, the, what are you talking about? You're coming here and you're getting in my face. Give me space, please. Well oh,
0: You came to me, sir. You came to me.
1: I understand that, but I'm asking you to back up. Are you going to follow me if I back up? No, I
0: will not follow you. Nope. That's fine. Now, what do you want to say?
1: I don't really want to talk to you because you, I have nothing to say to you. So you
0: approach me, but you don't want to talk about anything. Fantastic. Yes. This is the logic progress of the far left folks. They approach you, they scream at you, and then when you ask them what are you here for, they have nothing to say. And so the two-week-long illegal occupation of Dufferin Grove Park in Toronto ended not with a bang, but with a... Squeal? (laughs) So much anger, so few unable to articulate themselves, and well, just too many gender studies graduates and Antifa wannabes with absolutely nothing to do with their lives but camp out in a park in a filthy tent city. Well, (laughs) goodbye and good riddance. In any event, here's what you had to say about Toronto's latest Afro-Indigenous rising encampment being given the boot. Scott Calloway writes, normally I am against censorship, but today I applaud the small fuzzy circle. Yes, Scott, you really don't want to see what was behind those fuzzy dots. Trust me. The Demo Piano writes, for the record, these people are misrepresenting Indigenous people. I am full blood treaty Indian. Yes, for a long time we were called Indian. And I believe in law and order. I like the police. They protect me. These protesters certainly don't speak for me or represent my views. Hey, Demo Piano, you are my kind of Indian. Tamara Fletcher writes, I'm gay and I want nothing to do with these insane people. I hate that I am even in the same alphabetical lineup as them. Sickening. Well, Tamara, you are my kind of lesbian. David85 writes, When did the gathering of the juggalos come to Toronto? Oh, David85, how dare you insult the juggalos? MC Murdoch writes, I honestly can't tell if you used a soundboard for the pig squeal or not. You know, MC, we knew we'd get a comment or two like that. That squeal was surreal, but I swear to you, it was not enhanced. That blimpy guy actually could squeal like a pig going to the slaughterhouse. Hey, maybe he has a career as a voice actor. Acid Techno 303 writes, Ha ha ha, David knows exactly how to trigger the imbeciles. His questioning is top drawer. Sir, it doesn't take much to trigger these intellectual giants. Just asking these people the time of day is potentially triggering. Chris Whitling writes, Man, I identify as politically left, but to see these guys getting up in David's face like this, we're better than this man. Like, I just can't believe how poorly they make their arguments. It's just really hard for me to see the way they treat him in these videos. Stay safe out there, David. Hey, thanks, Chris. I take it that you are perhaps a classical liberal. I respect that, but tell me, what in blue hell has happened to liberalism of late? And Jason S. writes, abolish the police, then goes and cries to the police because they got misgendered, LMAO. Yes, that happened toward the end of the video, folks, by a person who was offended thanks to me misgendering him, her, it. When I sought clarification on the proper gender, they were further offended and then asked the police to charge me with a hate crime due to their hurt feelings. That's right, these folks don't want real police upholding the real law, but they love the idea of thought police coming down hard on those asking impolite questions. Oh, to quote the wicked witch of the West during meltdown mode, what a world, what a world. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.